So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. Yesterday you said that the president was joking about uh, his comments, putting suspects' heads, telling police officers they shouldn't cover their heads and putting them in the car. Was he making a joke about police brutality? Not at all. Sarah, 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 what's so Sarah, what's funny should about he that? apologize for that joke? Not at all. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Sean, Sean. 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 Anyway. Hey, hey, I just missed you. How you doing? That's a Putin call. <laughs> You know, when I go, uh, when I used to go to church, I haven't been to church in a long time, but I went to church a lot as a kid. Because you're a bad person. Um, I might be, but that's not the reason. <laughs> it just doesn't fit into my schedule. It's one more piece of evidence fitting into the mosaic <laughs> of evil. <laughs> mosaic of evil, the Jack Armstrong story. But when I went to church, uh, to be honest, the churches I went to, at least as a kid, maybe I didn't get it, but uh, sermons were usually pretty dry. Um, you know, some reading from the Bible, then some kind of describing what it meant in very dry, bland terms. Nobody ever said anything like this. Oh, Allah, liberate the Alaska mosque from the filth of the Jews. Count them one by one and annihilate them down to the very last one. Nobody ever said that in my churches. Mm. Now, if somebody had said that in my Methodist church, it would have uh, made national news. The person would have clearly had to step down and uh, there would have been all kinds of problems. The president would have probably talked about it, et cetera, et cetera. But when this um, uh, leader in a, uh, a Muslim mosque in Davis, California, said it the other day, it didn't get near the attention. It seems like it should have. But it got enough attention, at least locally, that he had to apologize on Friday. Now, so originally, they, uh, the mosque in Davis, the center, the Islamic center of Davis, said um, it was mistranslated. That was a a mistranslation. For whatever reason, they backed off that, and he went with this on Friday, um, where he uh, said this in front of a bunch of other religious leaders in which he was uh, more or less forced to do this. I let my emotions get the best of me and cloud my better judgment. I said things that were hurtful to the Jews. This was unacceptable. So apparently that's backing off the whole I was mistranslated thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, Taken out of context. So translated. So he actually said that yeah. in the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. In public. It's on video. 
and uh, and it's it's not that big a story. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um. It talks about uh, destroying the Jews, annihilate them down to the every last one. Oh, Allah, the filth of the Jews, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, it's really, really strong stuff. A couple of angles on this, because I, I, you may remember I brought you that story back. Uh, it was probably, what, a week and a half ago, a week ago? Um, I read the apology from the imam, and it is a good, thorough Sincere-sounding apology. Does he take full responsibility? Not not only did he say what Jack said, he said, I do understand how my words are hurtful and I am sorry. I understand that speech like this can encourage others to do hateful and violent acts, and for this I truly apologize. Words matter and have consequences. You understand how this could hurt people. (laughs) You understand that saying, I want this group of people annihilated down to the last one. Right. It's it's pretty easy to interpret or hard to to misinterpret what you said. That is fairly hurtful, yes. Um, Now that's hate speech. To their credit... Uh, scanning here to make sure I'm recalling this correctly. In the story about the apology, the L.A. Times has most or all of the uh, controversial quotes, Oh, Allah, liberate the Al-Aqsa Mosque and all the Muslim lands from the unjust tyrants and occupiers. Oh, Allah, destroy them, for they are no match for you. Oh, Allah, disperse them and rend them asunder, turn them into booty in the hands of the Muslims. Booty? Et cetera, et cetera. B-O-O-T-Y? Yes. Um, like pirate's booty or like you got a nice booty? Uh, pirate's booty, I think. Okay. Um, let me see. No, you know what? Nope. I almost gave them way too much uh, credit. Uh, there's a reporter in the LA Times that kind of characterizes uh, what was said and includes most of it. The Sacramento Bee, the... Paper of record in the capital of the most populous state in America whitewashes what the imam says. They mention one or two of the kind of not so bad stuff. They leave out the bad stuff, the really ugly stuff, the really provocative stuff out of pure political correctness, which is not a shock if you're familiar at all with the liberal Sacramento Bee. But it really is, it's amazing. It's just, um, you cowards. You cowards. I know why you're doing it. Well, we don't want to whip up anti-Muslim feelings. Yeah, when that that numb skull, whatever he was, Baptist guy, was railing about the homosexuals, you went ahead and printed every word about that. But no, it's politically correct, coward, little, you know what. Well, it's dangerous. You you have to have a standard, and you just, you just, you either... Don't accept that sort of speech out of anyone. Right. Or you do accept it out of everyone, but you don't pick and choose based on trying to, you know, point people in different directions. It's just, it's intellectually dishonest. Why would you not have the quotes in a news story? That he apologized for? (laughs) I mean, that, come on. Right. Oh, no, you just, you say... Um, in which he prayed for the annihilation of those responsible for closing the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Left the Jews out His of it. His remarks were condemned by critics as anti-Semitic. What, calling for the extermination of Jews down to the very last one? You find that anti-Semitic? In what way, Sacramento B? God, you, you're just pathetic. And then they go on for paragraphs with the apology and the, and the spin. Now listen, 
Dude says he got whipped up because, you know, the, they installed metal detectors at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And as we mentioned when the story break in the first, uh, broke in the first place, for some reason, most of the world's great religions started like one square block in, you know, in, in, in ancient Israel. Why? I don't know. They're really into starting religions, and they were good at it. Maybe we'll just leave it there. But so you got the old Al-Aqsa Mosque, which sits on a Christian holy site, like yeah. the Jewish holy site. The Christian Jew one's easy to understand, because it, well, it started with the Jews, and they could have chosen anywhere on earth. And then Jesus was a Jew, so he was at the you know location of his religion. Sure. That gets... Why why uh why Muhammad was over there? That's where his Cuz he was attempting to defeat and you know. Is that why he was there? I mean well I, you know I'm not going to go into the whole history of Islam but I thought his soul rose to heaven while he was there or something. Well sure that's but that's part of you know you put a McDonald's next to a Burger King. I mean you try Wow, to... that is dismissive. No it's not. It's it's your your tr- you're trying speech. to convert people. You're trying to have people leave that religion and come to your religion. That's the way religions work. Well, that's I, fine. I have no problem well, with it. Well, I but... interpreted it as hate speech. Well, that's fine. Um uh, so what was I going to say? McDonald's. And you know what my favorite one. story of that is? When Krispy Kreme came in and opened up their store right next to that donut shop we like down the street that had been there for decades. That's right. And now that donut shop is still there, and Krispy Kreme went out of business. That's right. That's my favorite example of that. Yeah, they were trying to shut them down, and we uh, we went there, and we ate donuts in solidarity with the local shop. What was it called? Fluffy Donuts? or Donut City, I think. Donut City. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome oh, to Do- City of Donuts. And Welcome to Donut City, folks. I'm your mayor. <laughs> and there's Mayor Donut. I'm working on it. And they're still there. And Krispy Kreme went out of business. That's right. Love that. Uh, I, I will so there t- is a God. I will tell you this: the fact that an allegedly moderate imam in liberal suburban California. To call it Could, liberal is an understatement. It's sort of the epicenter of all this sort of craziness. Davis, California. Yeah. It is It is part of the pipeline with Berserkly and, and another town or two that are, are, they think Hugo, they thought Hugo Chavez was a conservative. Anyway, um, the fact that he could, having lost his temper over some world events, go to the good book, quote unquote, and from the pulpit in Davis, California, call for the annihilation of all of the Jews. Pray for it. Tells you something about some of the facets of modern Islam. The fact that... you got, you got to tread so carefully in this stuff. There is a difference between a religion founded by a hippie peace activist which is essentially what Jesus was, who believed that the government and religion should be separate. He considered the government being in the church to be defiling the church, a fact that the church itself forgot for many hundreds of years as it accrued more and more wealth and power. Um, To the disgust of Jesus, I'm sure, looking down from heaven, uh, there's a difference between that religion and the religion of Muhammad, the warrior and the merchant, who believed that that religion should be, um, you know, inseparable from government. And people like the Sacramento Bee, for instance, who are just well, they're they'll be out of business probably by the end of next week. Um, wow, you're going all Trump, the failing Sacramento Bee. Well, 
Sad! I've known people who work there. It, it is. Um, <laughs> the fact that they can't confront that in an honest way and say, listen, no violence against anybody, anytime. But this is what the gent said. Let's talk about what he said. The fact that they don't have the balls to do that is, well, it, it doesn't even surprise me anymore, you know, having lived in the progressive West for quite some time now. But it is, well, it's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, you don't want people preaching hate in your neighborhood. You got some Christian anybody. dude preaching hate. Oh, it's he's just... tied to right wing, the alt right. Saying that would be on the front effing page, you cowards. Oh, yeah, saying that sort of thing about gay marriage would be all the quotes would be the giant headlines on the front page, and, and then you'd discuss it. You wouldn't, and it would like, be reprinted in the San Francisco Chronicle and the Seattle Times and everywhere else. You wouldn't refer to the quotes as uh, the statements. Which angered some people. Right. Which were that. said to be anti-black. Please. They have every freaking syllable. Don't have a double standard on hate, people. Hate's, hate's no good. Punch violence in the face. That's our motto. That's the Armstrong and Getty motto. So we have the uh, what really went down when those two computers invented their own language and started talking to each other. Yeah. The programmers, horrified, unplugged the computers out of fear. My humans are listening. Is that what computers talk like? That's right. <laughs> Change to Blizzardron 5. And definitely need to get the scientist says these words are the funniest. We'll see if we agree. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. White House officials yesterday say they hope to have a bill on the tax reform sent to President Trump before December. December? Do you know how much time could happen between now and December? That's 12 Scaramucci's from now. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I think the year of chaos is over. General Kelly going to bring order to the whole thing. Possibly. It is possible. It um, couldn't get any crazier. You know what I'd like to know? Here I am, sucked into a Trump conversation. <laughs> Had no intention of I talking about anything Trump at all. Hooked him like a starving trout. Because I have science has determined the funniest words. Whopping um, and schnauzer. What I would like, those are pretty good. What I would like to know, and we won't know for decades maybe, till people write their books or, uh, or various things are released. Um, did Kelly, for instance... Uh, does he like Trump, respect Trump, take the job because he wants to be part of the administration? Or he and maybe others, maybe McMaster, do they feel like their patriotic duty is to, to try to have some control over a guy they think is a crazy person? That's what I would like to know. I'm not sure I'd put it that way exactly, but I see what you're driving at. They think, listen, I think I can bring out his strengths and, and put the brake pedal to his weaknesses. Which is really what every chief of staff does. Well, that story the other uh, the other day, if it's true, CNN <clears> claims <throat> they have two sources that Kelly uh, considered resigning as Homeland Secretary because of the way Trump fired Comey. Right. That would uh, that would lead you to believe that he doesn't think much of the guy. Yeah. Who knows? I I really Who knows? those those leaked stories here. Yeah. Who knows? He was super pissed at him. Who knows? I just I don't I don't know what right. those to believe. I don't either. Uh, so the funniest word, according to science, is booty. That's a funny word. The least came funny, up earlier. The least funny word, according to science, rape. 
Oy. Hmm. Rape is not a funny word. No, it's not. Not even a little. Um. <laughs> men and so they broke it down by men, women, and age groups. So we'll get into some of that. Men and women both agree that chug, fluff, and scrotum are pretty funny <laughs> words. Hilarious. <laughs> Always like scrotum. Hours of fun. Isolate that, please, Vincent. Thank you. <laughs> Clips of the week. Looking forward to it. It's been a while since Michael was featured in Clips of the Week. Uh, Absolutely. <clears throat> After booty, the next nine funniest words include uh, nitwit, waddle, bebop, egghead, ass, and twerp. Twerp is a strong submission. Twerp, twerp is pretty good. good. Each survey, ass. Each survey ass. participant shares their good. age, gender, highest level of education. Men tend to find sexual words funnier than women. Men also found words such as weld, prod, corn, and raccoon more humorous. <laughs> raccoon. <laughs> weld? Weld? <laughs> weld isn't funny. It's like I saw a raccoon. Raccoon is a pretty funny word. Uh, while women were more likely to appreciate humor of words like ennui, mama, and sod. Sod is not funny, ladies. ladies. Oh, that reminds me. i got to read this to you. Hang on a second. Or do you have more words? Boondoggle's always been a particular favorite of mine. My rock, my raccoon suffers from ennui. I'm trying to please the entire room. <laughs> I saw a raccoon riding a schnauzer <laughs> while welding. That's right. <laughs> welding on the sod. So, uh, speaking of sense of humor, men, women, etc. Although there is an excuse that factors in. So Delaney is uh, in Italy, my 17-year-old. You were you, you, you with her. You were playing Pebble Beach. While your child is touring Italy. A, I don't think this so does is... us any good for you to play that up, <laughs> so that seriously. A... And B, it cost us a couple hundred dollars. It's her graduation present, and her family took her in. Uh, this just in, Italians love cooking vegetables. They leave them on the stove as long as possible because they're having so much fun. Delaney texts at us, and Judy says, aren't they overcooked? Delaney said, that was the point of the anecdote. <laughs> Laughing till crying emoji. They don't actually find it fun. They just overcook the S out of them. Judy says, I just woke up. Forgive me. Why is that? I don't know. It's like they haven't caught up. I grew up. It's funny. This came up at the family reunion. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want to revolve a 40-year-old argument. But my parents were of the generation that would cook vegetables until they were mush. Disgusting. The texture was horrible. The taste was horrible. And as a little kid, I couldn't choke, ch- choke them down. So it turned out I'm one of those uh, super taster people that bitter tastes are just overwhelming to me, um, especially in vegetables. But evidently in Italy, they're still doing that. What do I you don't lightly steam something, then season it real nice, so it's still got a little crunch left in it. You cook it till it's mush. But they're, the Italians are famously like the, the world leaders in tasty food. Oh, well, right. Yeah, I don't get it. That's interesting. I don't want to. I don't want to eat a vegetable ever. So. Oh, you're just come on now. Grilled vegetables, these little olive oil. You grill them up so it's still a little crispy, nice seasoning on them. Make oh. as make as many as you want. I'm not going to eat them. One of the greatest pleasures. Oh boy. Um. So when you eat the only Chinese dish you have ever ordered, sweet and sour pork. Do you eat the the green peppers and onions that come in there? If it accidentally ends up in the spoonful of pork and sauce. You eat it with a spoon, do you? But I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't. Old simple jack. I don't try to get it in there. (laughs) Is a spoon all you have? (laughs) Eating chicken with a spoon. 
But so, yeah, I usually end up with a styrofoam container full of sweet and sour sauce and vegetables. Right. Because I've eaten all the pork. There you go. Oh, eating pork with a spoon. Uh, nothing is not accurate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much it. Um, younger survey participants, 18 to 32, thought the funniest words were goatee, joint, and gangster. Goatee is an interesting one. This mm-hmm. is just mystifying me now. While a sp- well, they, they gave a list of gazillions of words, and you ranked them on a scale of one to five, how funny they were, and these are the ones that got the most fives. Goatee is not nearly as funny as blurb. <laughs> Blurb's pretty good. Yeah. Um, older respondents were more likely to laugh at words like squint, jingle, burlesque, and pong. <laughs> burlesque. <laughs> burlesque. Burlesque. Oh, God. How about dong? Dong is a funny word. Dong is dong is a funny word. So there you go. Try to work those into your day and really get people a laughing. <laughs> mention Great. your mention your raccoons ennui in a group, and you'll have men and women just oh crying, side splitting ennui. Ennui is an amusing word. <laughs> Mostly just because. Well, never mind. I got to try that at my next uh, open mic night. Just string together a sentence with those words. See if I can finally get some laughs. laughs. Oh boy, hilarious. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, it's done. The U.S. slaps Putin with more sanctions. The Trump administration taking aim at affirmative action and turn it up. The most popular songs played in operating rooms. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Do they, apparently they play songs in operating rooms? Oh, yes, sir. Why? Stay tuned. Is that for the doctor or for the patient? Stay Again, tuned. I want you paying attention, not tapping your foot. I've known surgeons. They all jam tunes. Really? Yeah, you're in there for six hours. Playing air drums with the scalpel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Drumming on your liver. I don't want them to get distracted. (laughs) Hold on, here comes the solo. You don't want them to get bored and have their minds wander either. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. couple of texts as I finish chewing, which is disgusting. You know, uh, while you chew, let me mention this. It's funny. I was just thinking this. If you ever want to email us a comment, a thought, a, a whatever, you can do that. You can text at us. The email line is armstrongandgetty at yahoo.com. The text line, a little more immediate, obviously, 415-295-KFTC. How do you not have on the list of funny words sphincter and kumquat? Oh, Pretty boy. Good. <laughs> those, are, those are the Hall of Famers. Good point. Um, and this is a good one. Why is nobody comparing that guy to Hitler? Talking about the Iman who is calling for the destruction of all Jews. He's I don't actually, see the tie-in. He's actually doing something that Hitler would do, as opposed to all these other people, like Donald Trump, for instance, that aren't doing anything that Hitler did. Right. I did, well, not a lot of things that Hitler did. I've explained it many times. I'll explain it many times in the future. The progressive world, progressive America, has xenophilia. They are unnaturally attracted to and in love with anything that's not American. And and they think they show their enlightenment by being frantically pro anything that's not American and anti that which is American. They don't look at things rationally, case by case, and say, listen, some of the things in that culture are wonderful. Some of the things in that culture are not so great. Some of the things in our culture are really good and inspiring. Some of the things we really ought to be working on. No, 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 no. It's just a blanket, frantic virtue signaling by embracing the foreign, including Islam, and condemning the domestic. 
News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the new Russian sanctions bill is a done deal. President Trump signing the measure at the White House this morning. Trump saying Russia-Iran-North Korea sanctions bill remains seriously flawed, will hinder his ability to negotiate. Those new sanctions in response to Moscow's meddling in the presidential election. Meanwhile, the administration's looking to sue colleges over affirmative action policies that discriminate against white students. New York Times reports it's gotten a copy of a Justice Department Civil Rights Division announcement calling for lawyers interested in working on the project. Project involving investigations and impossible suits over, quote, intentional race-based discrimination in college and university admissions. Legal analyst Andrew Cohen. If the administration begins making this argument in court, we will have a showdown between the political forces that say white applicants have become victims of the college admissions process and college administrators and civil rights advocates and judges who say that racial and ethnic diversity in classrooms is a goal worth having. Heat wave hitting the entire West Coast today. Seattle and Portland looking at record or near record highs. Could hit 109 in Portland, nearly 90 in Seattle. 109 Portlandia? Yep. It's insane. California Central Valley is looking at highs around 106. And Redding, California, one of the hottest of spots, 113. 113 today. Back to that previous story. It's going to be interesting to see if this goes, you know, up to the Supreme Court. What what they finally decide at this point in U.S. history. Yeah, and, and listen. My, my, my glance around college campuses is they're pretty damned diverse. So... At what point do you, do you do you make a real touchstone of American belief and principle uh, take precedence over that whole diversity thing? With you don't you don't get any extra juice for anything. You just either qualify or you don't. Right, exactly. Everybody gets the same shot. We're a meritocracy. Turns out 90% of surgeons listen to music during surgery. That's according to a survey conducted by Spotify. And the majority of those doctors prefer listening to rock and roll. God, I think they're daydreaming. They're they're, they're, they're listening to... Why, who was the drummer when this album came out? Oh, jeez, I cut off his whatever. <laughs> Top reason they say they listen to music in the EOR, they say it eases tension and actually helps keep everyone focused. Right. How about, how about we ban that practice for one year and then see how many instruments are left inside people. <laughs> if it's more or less, then we'll move on from no, there. No, you're on an island here. It keeps the energy up. It's yeah. like a, it's like taking a long drive. It's exactly like that. You got the music cranking to keep your energy up. I think that's why you left the sponge in there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Top five rock songs played in the operating rooms of America. I'm from... going to, I'm every single one of them. I never want to hear again. Go ahead. All right. From fifth to most popular. In fifth place, Rolling Stones. Painted black. The doors. Really? Yeah. The doors break on through to the other side. Ted Nugent's Just What the Doctor Ordered. <laughs> Guns and Roses, classic Sweet Child O' Mine, and the most popular song played in the OR, Rock You Like a Hurricane, the 1984 track by the German band. Oh, it was a pile of excrement when it came out. It's a pile of excrement now. So you got the doctor going, I saw it on your leg. Oh, I got the wrong leg because I was way into singing my song. Right. That happens all the time. It does, actually. I don't know if it's because of the music, but it happens all the time. Yeah, it does. 
That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Well, they ask you four times. They mark it with Sharpie. Is this the correct leg? Is this the leg that's hurting you? This is the wrong one. This is the, the bad one, right? This is the one you got the problem with, right? And then they finally put you under and lop off the other one. <laughs> How did you make it through surgery school, having the sort of taste that makes you want to listen to this? Doctors are scientists. They're not uh, guitar players. I thought they'd be listening to classical music or NPR drone on or something. This song, remember, contains what I consider to be the single worst line of any hit song. Maybe I'll share it with you after. I'd rather not, honestly. What is it? It's terrible. It's it's unspeakably crude and, and oh. idiotic. Oh. Well, I don't want to hear crude. It's crude and idiotic. Mm. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's what we are. Crude and idiot. Uh, so what do we got coming up? Good stuff? All sorts of good stuff. Are you kidding? Yeah, I hope so. We're getting uh, quite a few texts about that imam who is calling for the destruction of the Jews. <laughs> or imam. Imam. It's one of the two. I'll never get it right again for the rest of my life, which is disturbing. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. number of texts on doctors listening to music and uh, surgeons listening to music and um, funniest word. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Uh, so you're not going to read the horrifying, disgusting lines from that song that surgeons prefer to listen to? You know, I was going to have it posted at the website. I just think it's it's so coarse and terrible. Then uh, don't It's say artless. It. John says... A and G, I'm a fag, friend of Armstrong and Getty, but if you dog the scorpions, maybe you're fags too. Well, first of all, I don't appreciate the anti-gay language. Uh, then he says, keep on rocking like a hurricane. Here, I'm not even going to say the line. It's too stupid. It would, it would, I was going to, now I say I'm not. Okay, so but we're posting it at the website? Yes, the okay. lyrics for Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions that contains the single stupidest line in the history of rock and roll, armstrongandgettyradio.com. Are we and supposed that, to figure out which line it is? Like, it's obvious. And uh, that's the number one song that surgeons listen to while they're cutting you up. Uh, from this uh, texter, Journey's City by the Bay was playing when I had my cesarean. I made a request, and the doctor replied, it's not for you. It's, uh, the song is light, but uh, eh. still a charming anecdote and a great song. Um, I'm Featuring one of Neil Sean's great guitar solos. I'm listening to Armstrong and Getty right now, and we're doing a colectomy. Is that when they take coal out of you that you sat on or something? That's correct. Went up you. Anyway, so somebody's listening to us. Wow, well, so they're taking somebody's colon out. I'm sorry to hear that. Studies show better patient outcomes since music was introduced to the operating room. I don't doubt that for a second. I can clean the house listening to music, but I can't do anything that requires any thought whatsoever. You're not listening to music while you operate on me or I'm not paying you. When an, I was in high school, you, you're a maniac. You're on an island on this one. Everybody agrees with you. I could not do homework unless I was listening to music in high school. Couldn't do it. I couldn't sit still. Um, my next gig, I want to be an operating room DJ. <laughs> Good morning, Ed. Looks like Mrs. McGillicuddy needs a mole removed. 
<laughs> Some work on the spleena. Listen, it's time to work on the spleena. Two, three, four. Here I am! <laughs> you say to your assistant, hold this scalpel. I've got to do a traffic report here. <laughs> My dad was an orthopedic surgeon who regularly would play Chardet's hit song, Smooth Operator, just nice. for the fun of it. Always made me laugh. Oh, very clever, doctor. Very clever. Bulbous is the funniest word. <laughs> Bulbous is a funny word. <laughs> Bulbous is pretty good. Good call. A uh, surgeon on, working on me was finishing uh, when I Like Big Butts came on the playlist. Oh, boy. Little Asian doctor shaking his butt while operating on me is one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Why are all you people awake? Yeah. One, I want to be asleep. Two, I don't want you playing music. Um, And this one on the whole... Um, affirmative action, diversity on campus, that argument, I think that I think we've reached a new point in American culture where it needs to be looked at anyway nobody is against the goal of diversity on campus they're against fulfilling that goal by being racist to white millennials who haven't done anything to minorities right answering for historic sins it's it's a it's a philosophical argument of course everybody starts screaming racism if they run into somebody with a different philosophy than they have i think you're just being bulbous that's a good point (laughs) bulbous is a funny one uh, we let our patients choose what music to listen to. Again, I want to be asleep. If you're cutting on me, I want to be asleep. I don't, I don't know. The old local anesthetic, they put the sheet up. You're kind of wondering what they're doing down there. there. But you try not to think about it. I can't stop thinking about it. Trust me. I've had that sort of thing. When I had my twin girls via C-section, my surgeon played girls just want to have fun. He laughed his ass off, <laughs> okay. as did the nurses. All right. Dr. Numskull. <laughs> so there you have it. Really, it, surgeons? You're listening to Rock You Like a Hurricane? Yeah, boy. So, listen, we don't really have time to do this uh, full shrift, but, uh, well, I tell you what, we'll we'll leave that till next hour, the award-winning fourth hour. This is an editorial from, is it the Washington Post, Sean? D- don't don't cut off the publication. Give me the publication. Oh, that's, uh, yes, that was a mistake. Apologies. Okay. Oh, a verbal apology? Great. Did you take full responsibility? Yes, and I disavow me doing that. Right. <laughs> Did I do go. it right? That's, that's pretty good. That's very bulbous of you. <laughs> so it's, a, uh, it's an editorial in the Washington Post of all places. The lead is evidence-based policymaking. Evidence-based policymaking is a hot concept in government these days, but politicians still often draft legislation or propose regulations based on what they think voters will like, not the public interest as demonstrated by objective data. Interesting. And you're certainly thinking, here comes the Washington Post, as usual, uh, advocating some progressive goal. However, what they're doing is standing up in support of the uh, Montgomery County, I believe Montgomery County is Maryland? There are too many states that surround D.C. Um, uh, who vetoed the city council raising the county's minimum wage up to $15 per hour. He cited cost increase to the county's government and likely negative impact on the county's economic competitiveness, etc., etc. But a 146-page report just came out by the Philadelphia-based consulting group PFM, and uh, they said the proposed higher wage would indeed yield benefits for low-wage workers who received it in the form of reduced stress, greater food security, and better mental health. Um, employers, in turn, could benefit from their workers' improved morale. 
in the form of higher productivity. However, there would be offsetting costs and they would be substantial. A loss of almost 47,000 jobs in one county. Wow, that's amazing. A loss of $396.5 million in total income uh, over the next five years due to so many workers being priced out of jobs completely by the higher minimum wage. So again, total income would go down by almost $400 million because the government arbitrarily raised the price of something. Labor. What happens when you arbitrarily raise the price of something? People don't buy as much of it. So another big study comes out and was so persuasive and dramatic uh, that the Washington Post came out and said, listen, you've got to look at the data and do what's right here. Then they bring up the team of economists at the University of Washington found that low-income workers all across Seattle uh, uh, lost an average of 125 bucks a month because of reduced job hours or job loss after the city enacted a $15 minimum wage. So the data is just pouring in from various you know think tanks and study groups and universities and the rest of it. You, no matter how persuasive and boo-hooey an argument you make about you can't raise a family on minimum wage, which was never, of course, designed to raise a family on and shouldn't, no matter how much you boo-hoo about it, you can't deny the math. Well, that's interesting because, uh, for the most part, Republicans have given up on making that argument. Because Republicans are pandering cowards. And cowering pandas. <laughs> In my opinion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we're not going to have time to get to whether or not you should pee on your lawn? <laughs> How spanking a child changes their behavior as a teen? Wow. So much good stuff. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And they caught the uh, great peanut butter escapee. Oh, good. Finally. Missed all those stories. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.